on the side of people who know you but are more of this irrational or more reactive, she calls frenemies, which she said, these are people who don't really want to see you improve, but they know how to hurt you because they know you well. Or in her list of who this could be, she includes exes, toddlers, undermining coworkers, and yourself. And I was like, oof. (laughs) Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about how to continue to grow and thrive when receiving criticism, especially criticism that comes from friends, partners, or other allies. When receiving criticism, it's common for people to fight back with defensiveness and counter-criticism or to freeze and shut down and give up. Our social media even encourages this kind of thing by being more likely to show us conflict rather than healthy examples. So today we're exploring this incredibly important topic, discussing some of the challenges in handling criticism well, as well as some concrete ways that you can learn to improve yourself, be a better communicator and ally, and bring people together instead of pushing us all further apart. Wow. What a nice note to end on for that intro. Let's just cut it there. <laughs> just, we're done. That's it. <laughs> and done. <laughs> so, so M and Deads, I was uh-huh. curious... What comes to mind when, if I said, hey, we're doing an episode about criticism, like what, what does criticism mean? What comes to mind when I say that? Uh, I get, I get a little scared. I get oh, a little okay. like, ee, like when you, know? you are criticized or just like the idea of criticism as a whole. I guess I immediately put myself in that position of I'm going to be on stage with a spotlight on me. And, and everyone's calling you yeah. names and telling you you're doing it wrong no not even calling names not even mm, okay. anything as fun as that just really pinpointed critique of all uh, my flaws and everything i've ever uh, done yeah yeah i get that that's what i think of <laughs> i think i think of the criticism that we've received over the years from doing this show but how i am grateful even if in the moment it hurt and sucked and I felt like a bad person or like a bad podcast host. But that I think a lot of those things I've implemented in my daily life and it's become more second nature now. So I really appreciate the opportunity to get to learn those things, especially and also that we have like a group of people out there listening to us that want to give us feedback and, and want to kind of help us out in that way. Even if maybe in the moment it's like, like, you did this wrong. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, though. So that is the kind of funny thing about being a content creator is that you can get the same piece of feedback from multiple sources. And the feedback or criticism itself can be very valuable for yourself and your show and things like that. But some sources can be real nice about it and real clear about it. And some sources can be real jerks about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like for me in like the week of putting this episode together, my mind keeps going to, unfortunately, to memories of times in my personal life when I've received criticism and I've not handled it very well, when I've gotten mean back or I've gotten defensive. And then often later, we'll think about it and be like, they were totally right. That Hmm. that made a lot of sense what they said. I still feel a little bit like they were a jerk for the way they said it, but it still doesn't excuse my reaction because they were correct, right? You know, whether it was about something I did that was rude or like something that I should have been aware of that was insensitive or something at a at a party or at a friend's house or like something. And I've just kind of been preoccupied with remembering times I've received that criticism badly and kind of being like, I wish I wish I could do that again. Don't we all? It happens. So we have done episodes on criticism before in various forms. Um, In 232, we did criticism or how to doom your relationship. And we talked about how criticism can end up like 
causing a relationship to go awry. Uh, we discussed ways to minimize that or to give better forms of criticism, like what just ta- just talked about, receiving it better and giving it better. Well, so that episode was very much focused on just giving the criticism. Oh, it was about how I you forgot. We did it like 50 episodes. <laughs> I know. Ago. It was a long time <laughs> cool, ago. Cool, cool, cool. But that one was about that one was about falling into this trap of especially in a relationship constantly nitpicking the other or or mm. sort of defaulting to criticism or being nasty in your criticism to each other so that's more on the giving end but today is more about the receiving end of that yeah yeah and also kind of in this Venn diagram of criticism if you will we also did an episode uh, called Adventures in Online Arguments. That was episode 175. And that episode dealt specifically with getting into an argument with people online or on social media. Often criticism that's given on social media starts arguments. <laughs> yeah. um, that is also a little bit different. If that feels relevant to you, we definitely recommend you go check out these episodes. But it's going to be a little bit different from all that today. Right. Plus the fact that that was, what, 103 episodes ago. Wow. (laughs) But that one definitely, that one's just about how you behave yourself online. Yeah. So I thought uh, a way to start this out. So we we talked about, like Dedeker, you mentioned, uh, as a content creator, getting criticism, some of which is really constructive and polite and kind, and others that's kind of nasty and mean. And I think that's true in our real lives, too, right? Where people can call us out on something in a way that's nasty and mean or in a way that is very kind. But then even apart from that, knowing who the source is, is also important. And so I wanted to look at a couple different ways to think about and categorize criticism that you might be receiving. And this isn't so much for using right in the moment, we'll get to that later. But this is more about just kind of when you're thinking about it, generally or thinking about it after the fact, some ways to help you evaluate that criticism can be to identify this. So first, we're going to talk about the source that it's from, and then we're going to talk about the tone that it's given with. And those two things are sort of separate from each other. So so for this, I found this very cute diagram. I think we should link this in our show notes. But yeah, it's called, I want to put this up somewhere. Yeah, it's called the Disapproval Matrix. And uh, this is by a journalist, Anne Friedman. Um, she she does all sorts of kind of slightly tongue in cheek, but a little bit serious diagrams and pie charts and things like that. And so this is something that she put on her blog that I that I enjoyed because uh, it partly because it doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> and basically it there's two axes on the matrix where on the one hand, people who don't know you at all, right? Total strangers. And on the other hand, people who know you really well. And then the other axis is people who are very, uh, I guess this is sort of more about the criticism itself, but very rational. And then on the bottom, she calls it irrational. I would also call it maybe reactive or emotional or something like that. So then... In each of the four quadrants here, we have a different category. So in the people who know you well and are also rational, she calls them lovers. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine this could be not just lovers, but maybe family members on your side, friends who are on your side, people who are close to you. People who care about you. Yeah, I think she means it more as just like people who love you, not necessarily your lovers. Right. So it's people who want to see you improve and thrive. People who give a fuck about you. Mm-hmm. And then on the side of people who know you, but are more of this irrational or more reactive, she calls frenemies, which she said, these are people who don't really want to see you improve, but they know how to hurt you because they know you well. Or in her list of who this could be, she includes exes, toddlers, undermining that. coworkers, and yourself. And I was like, yep. Oof. Uh, yeah, yikes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Hashtag truth. Yeah. (laughs) So then on the other side, we have the people who don't know you, but who are very rational. And this is she calls critics. So these are people who are experts in your field or maybe who do have some valuable insight if it's more of a personal thing. And they're criticizing your work or your actions and not you as a person. That's kind of where the rational piece comes in. And then 
on the other side of that is the people who don't know you and are also irrational or reactive, which is the haters and specifically YouTube commenters. So it's like, yep, sure. <laughs> uh, she also says jealous ignoramuses and lesser rappers. <laughs> Those haters. <laughs> Those haters, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Right. And, and I think we kind of, this is what we dealt with in the Adventures in Online Arguments episode, which is like the people who trolls, right? It's the trolls online. It's the, the people who don't really know you much at all and just want to fight somebody you know they just want to be mean hmm. right yeah so i'm taking that it, it is really important that when you're receiving some kind of piece of critique to really consider the source mm -hmm. you know um that like it does really i think influence how seriously or how much you take that critique to heart mm -hmm. but and that also, can be hard yeah absolutely and also the tone in which they give that critique so there are different types of tones that one can can receive or yeah and give when this happens when you get criticism and when you receive criticism um and the first one is gentle and i'm trying to think of like when gentle criticism happens and i think a lot of times it occurs with friends allies people like that not necessarily your romantic partner yeah not necessarily but right. i think often your friends tend to sort of sugarcoat things a little bit more or like have a lot of pleasantries or like pad the situation like give a compliment sandwich maybe mm, um, right we have talked about that way long ago on this show yeah, and it can be difficult when something is so gentle to tell, like, how your friend or how the person that you're receiving this from, how, like, intensely or seriously they feel about that thing, because they're kind of patting it with all of those pleasantries and, and lovely tones. But uh, it's important not to de defend yourself or be hostile in these moments when you are getting this gentle criticism from someone. Just because, yeah. yikes, that, that sucks. You're like, hey, I just have to tell you you did something kind of not great, and let's maybe talk about it for a second. Fuck you! Like, how <laughs> dare you? I, yeah, I, maybe don't go there. I think the way this one often shows up, because they care about you and they're trying to be nice, or maybe they don't know you, but they're trying to be nice in the way they present this, mm -hmm. that it can also be really tempting to just sort of justify why you did it and not really take yeah. it seriously. And it's almost like because they tried to be too nice you felt like it also didn't really matter or it wasn't actually That's serious and maybe for them it was very serious and that took a lot of effort for them to try to be kind about it so i do think when there's that be very mindful that that you don't you might not quite know the whole situation and that reaction to just justify yourself is so tempting yeah yeah another tone that criticism can come through with is uh, just matter of fact. So somebody who gets straight to the point of what they're critiquing you on without preamble. Um, in this case, when someone is very matter of the fact, it's often the easiest to understand what they actually want you to do differently or what they actually feel could be improved. With this, I think about I think about my theater days, like when you get notes oh. after rehearsal, mm. you know, that ideally a good director is just very clear of like, hey, change this blocking or you messed up this blocking or actually like this line was a little weird or can you try this thing, you know, and that in an ideal situation, you just receive it also very matter of fact just kind of like, okay, cool. Thanks. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Writing it down. Things like that. I think ideally in a workplace situation as well, I think the ideal boss is able to give critique or feedback in a matter of fact way like that, you know, again, kind of striking that balance between not so gentle that you don't really take it seriously, but not so uh, intense or hard or mean that you start crying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think this one, I think also something that I like about receiving matter of fact criticism, I don't enjoy receiving any of these, but something that I do appreciate about receiving matter of fact criticism is with the gentle. Oftentimes it's like, hey, you know, love you and you're, you're great, great work. I'm already bracing myself for the, like, fuck but fuck. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when it's just like, I'm just going to get right to the point. So you don't have a chance to like brace and get tense before it even comes and i appreciate the lack of 
maybe emotion that occurs in these more matter-of-fact situations. Because mm. if you're feeling like the kind of trepidation on one side or the anger that is before the criticism happens, that can kind of, you know, it, it help inform your own emotions that might happen as well. Not necessarily, but sometimes. And I think when something is matter-of-fact and to the point, you just are like, well... Okay, I heard that. I'm I need to sit with it now. I need to figure out how I'm going to respond to it. But it's not somebody else also, you know, acting in a certain way that that informs your own specific emotions that might occur yeah. after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. Or even just getting to the point first and then following it up with the I know you're doing such a good job and I only tell you this cuz I know you can do it or or I, totally. I think you would want to know. Anyway, this episode's not about giving criticism, although those are great notes. Write those down. Take them to heart. Uh, but in receiving it, identify that. If you see that matter-of-fact criticism, even if you have the reaction to be defensive, hopefully you can learn to identify it and go, mm, actually, you know what? I do appreciate that, and so I want to reward that. Mm. Uh, now moving on our spectrum here, the next one is harsh criticism. So this one is sort of like the matter of fact, but maybe contains more sweeping generalizations of sort of, ah, oh, you're always doing this. Or like, oh, it's just like you to do this thing. Don't do that. Uh, or when my voice teacher is like, yeah, you musical theater people just do X, Y, and Z. Mm, right. You know, us opera, it happens all the time. Us opera people, we really oh, like... Wait, hold on. Okay, hold on, Emily. Your voice teacher is an <laughs> opera person. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I'm okay. learning some age-old, age-old standoff. <laughs> okay. oh, I, I just, I just know in, in my university <sighs> there was age-old standoff between the opera department and the musical theater department. So yes, well, hmm. I'm learning both, and I love singing <laughs> opera. But apparently, I'm not an opera student, which hmm. no, I'm not. I hmm. never went to school for opera, <laughs> and it shows apparently. <laughs> So. Right. Well, I could have some grumbly things to say, some grumbly, <laughs> harsh criticism to say about opera people, but I'm going to well, save it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. OK, <laughs> so so as we can maybe even see a hint of here, it can sometimes be hard to differentiate this sort of harsh criticism from the next category, which was like the haters that we were talking about, like the YouTube commenters, who, you know, that that that's. It's sometimes hard to differentiate. And so I think this is where knowing the source can help. In the case of like your voice teacher, it's like this is someone who is invested in your success and maybe she needs to work on how she gives this criticism <laughs> uh -huh. or these statements. <laughs> but for you, you can at least receive it and going, OK, I know that based on her position in our relationship and who the source is, what the intentions might be, regardless of how it's being presented. Sure. As opposed to a random stranger on the street being like, you musical theater people, they always <laughs> do are lazy. this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You're not real musicians. Yeah, so the last one are the haters. The uh, dehumanizing points of criticism that tend to occur. And so these this is important to identify the difference between maybe a harsh criticism person or someone who is dehumanizing you, because generally it's not particularly helpful to engage with those who dehumanize you. We talked about this in that episode on online criticisms and online arguments, because, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to fall down the rabbit hole and just write a, a long diatribe about how much this person is wrong online. But perhaps it's it's just not worth it to do that. Uh, and so these people who tend to be dehumanizing in their criticisms, they they might be criticizing you for who you are, not what you're doing or saying. So they may say, like, you're a bad person or you always do this or you, you know, are the problem as opposed to the thing that you did is the problem. So, yeah, again, check out those that online arguments 175 episode for more on that specifically. Yeah, looking at this spectrum of criticism tone, I mean, this is very applicable to relationships as well, like we covered yeah. in our, our older episode that if you're critiquing your partner, that as you slide closer to that harsh criticism or dehumanizing criticism, that's when you're going to start seeing things like, 
you are calling. so lazy. You are so lazy. You never do the dishes around here. Or you are so forgetful and spacey because you always show up late and never remember, you know, like when we have an appointment or whatever, things like that. And that's, I mean, you can hear those things and you may not think that that's dehumanizing language necessarily, but it is that that key point of you're going after who this person is. Like you are a lazy person, you're a spacey person, you're a forgetful person. And even though maybe that doesn't sound like dehumanizing, it's still going to sabotage your partner actually being able to listen to that critique. Yeah. And it's it's not the two of you against a problem. It's like you are the problem. And that, to me, is a, a big difference. And that's, I think, where the dehumanizing element kind of comes in. And it doesn't allow you to be like, well, fuck, I, can I fix this problem? Because is it just intrinsic in who I am? Right. 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 Yeah. Maybe like de-individualizing might yeah. be another way to, <laughs> to say it. Because it tends to be... Like you're being now broken down into your whole identity is based around one aspect of you. Like you are lazy or you are this or you and all the other protesters out there are mm. bad in this way. But right. Yeah. I've, you're not a human. You're not an individual. I'm just making this generalized statement about you that's based in a lot of emotion and is very much meant to be an attack. Right. Or that's even kinda... just using always statements, always or never statements also. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. similar yeah. to that. All right, so how do we respond to this? Throw it in the garbage, completely disregard <laughs> all this crappy criticism. criticism. Or internalize it and believe that we're really bad people. Mm. Either of those. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> done, okay. I've done both in my life, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, no, Jace was the one who planned this episode, looked at many, many different guides for handling criticism. I know I've also looked at several different blog posts and podcasts yeah. and books and stuff like that about handling criticism or receiving criticism well. Um there's a lot of different approaches out there, but there is this big through line, this big common step that all of these kind of hold as being really important. And that is don't react right away. You know, whenever you get critique, whenever you get criticism, just don't go for the knee jerk reaction. Chances are whatever your knee jerk reaction is going to be is not a healthy one. Yeah, it's not the right <laughs> one. <laughs> it's probably not the right one. And yeah, specifically don't react right away with defensiveness or by arguing or by immediately justifying your actions or maybe immediately just like collapsing into like, oh, my God, oh, I'm so terrible. I'm so sorry. Like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, just don't react right away. That's the the big old if there's nothing else you take away from this episode. This is probably the thing you should take away from this episode. Yeah, you could stop listening right now and you've, you've got it all. No, just kidding. <laughs> We're going to cover a lot more about it. I think this one's interesting because it's. What this looks like varies based on the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is something that I, I thought a lot about in kind of looking for resources and putting this episode together is it's a very different thing to say, how do you apply this when someone comments on your Instagram post versus how do you do this when someone says this to you at the store, right? That, that those are pretty different situations in the online one. Ironically, the online one, I think, is where people get into the most fights. And that's also the place where it's the easiest to just not reply right away. You don't need to reply right away. Just don't. Whether it's a, a private message or a comment or whatever, you don't need to. There's no rule saying that you have to respond right away. In person, I think it can be a little harder. And that's where it kind of comes down to practicing ways to respond in a neutral way, regardless of how you feel, so that you're not having to sort of come up with that response right away on the spot. And you're not having because part of the reason for giving time is so that you can do this process of thinking about what's the source? What are they really saying the stuff that we're going to get into later? And that takes some time to do. So in person, I'm actually curious if you two have any good examples of this. But in person, it is kind of that maybe even having a script for yourself that's mm. something along the lines of, of, okay, thank you for letting me know. Something that's just so simple that even if you feel like they don't deserve that polite of a response, that you can just give it and walk away and be mad. I think that's a really good response because I know for myself, I'm, I'm pretty terrible about like halting just in yeah. general. And from what it sounds like you're saying, 
after receiving criticism, uh, a halt, even if it's just like a unilateral internal one, is a good thing to do in this moment. And so, yeah, just by saying like, thank you for that. I'm going to take myself over here for a moment and think about it. And then I will be back with you momentarily. <laughs> Maybe that's, you know, a thing to to do. Yeah, when you receive criticism. It's a a hard skill to do in person. And it's not always the right response. I, I will mm -hmm. give that like there's not one size fits all because there's context and things that go with this. But it reminds me a little bit of something that my mom told me that she would do. This is when I was learning to drive. And she was talking about when people honk at you or are mad at you for doing something when you're driving. She just told me sort of nonchalantly one day, she's like, oh, I always like I, I smile and I give them a wave. Uh, <laughs> she's like, so then they know that I heard them, that they know that. And then also, I kind of hope that they think, Oh, do I know that person? Oh gosh. It's <laughs> like that's so good. I oh, love boy. that. Sort of like diffuse the situation. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh all right. So we want to go on to talk about why this is so hard and some nuance of specific types of criticism that can be especially difficult and especially vital to respond to well. Uh, but before we go on to that, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsors for this episode and how you can support us and keep this information available for free. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So why is it so hard to receive criticism? People are jerks. For me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, some people are and some people aren't. Uh, but when criticism happens, sometimes the person who's giving it to you, their tone can be kind of mean. And mm -hmm. even like well-meaning criticism, it can come across as being kind of mean. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, it it they may not intend it that way, but sometimes it can happen. So this is definitely true if the person giving the criticism feels particularly hurt by something that you did. And maybe if you internally know, like, fuck, I screwed up there. Yikes, here it comes. That's yeah, such it's a both good point. at once, both at once, like converging together and creating this like emotional disaster in the moment. Potentially, hopefully not with our tips. Yeah, I think you made such a good point, too, where not just they might be hurt and so they're reacting extra mean, but if you kind of know you screwed up, too, you're much more likely to interpret them as being mean. At least that's been my experience. And I kind of say you're, you're on defense already because you realize, whoops. 
Exactly. And I got to say, like, sometimes also there may be other underlying things that you feel resentful about or they feel resentful about. And Mm -hmm. all of that can converge within one criticism. Yeah, because it may not just be about that thing. I think Dedeker and I talked about this recently where it was like, yeah, I had a fight with my partner about curtains, but like it wasn't about the curtains like that resentment or whatever was happening underneath like caused Mm. that small criticism to become much bigger in the moment yeah right another reason why it's so hard to receive criticism is because it can feel like a betrayal in particular if it comes from someone that you view as an ally or a friend or someone who's on your side it can make it even harder to take so There's some advice out there that focuses on, okay, first of all, don't react defensively, don't react angrily, then take a moment, consider the source, and then learn to just not worry about the criticism. And I think that's not bad advice. It can become a problem if it leads you to just sticking in your ways and never improving, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess the side effect of that being also just kind of discounting your friends is just being like, well, they don't know anything. You know, or they have an agenda or things like that. Maybe that's true, but in sometimes some cases it may not be true. Um, and then there's other advice that focuses on, again, not reacting defensively, not reacting, reacting angrily, and then figuring out how do you find the truth in their criticism and then work on it. And again, very, very good advice for a lot of different situations. On the flip side, it can also become a problem if this just causes you to internalize all criticism and causes you to shut down and give up and feel shameful and guilty and just like you're a terrible person all the time. I know something that my mom has said to me in the past. She's like, yeah, you were kind of criticizing me, but I realized after the fact, like, that was just about you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Which sounds like my mom. It sounds like 100%. (laughs) That's an interesting, I know, that's an interesting point, though, to think about is that sometimes there is like a transference involved there in like, okay, you're hearing criticism from someone else, but actually it's like more internal stuff going on that is kind of about that person. So you do have to really like sit there and be critical with yourself and think about like, shit, do I do that? Is that something that's really part of me? Or is this actually sound like it's about them? And differentiating that is hard sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. And I would say part of why it's so hard to differentiate is because there's usually both. And yeah. that's that's why I think it's important to look at both sides of this. Because say you're someone Mom. who <laughs> say you're someone <laughs> who takes all credit like you t- tend to take criticism super personally. If someone says like, ah, my advice about this is to really like sit with it and try to figure out what was at the heart of what they're saying and then try to make a change, you're going to be constantly changing back and forth all the time, being essentially blown by the wind because you were already sort of prone to that. Whereas for you, that opposite advice might have been more helpful of it might actually be about them. And then on the other side, right, you might be someone who tends to write off other people's opinions and think like, oh, no, I've got this figured out. I I have all the experience I need to know this. And I think this especially comes up with things like criticism coming from your allies. Like if it's you're posting something about Black Lives Matter as a white person and you get a criticism from people of color, it's like, well, fuck, I'm trying to help here and I'm getting criticized for it. If your reaction to that is to say, oh, well, that's about them and not me and not change. You're missing out on an opportunity to actually learn something and be a better ally because they have an experience that you don't, right? So it's like in different situations, different ones of these could apply. And you need to take the full context of the source and all of that other stuff. I am glad that you brought that up just because this moment in time is so critical, I think, for anyone who's an ally and a white person and yeah, someone just to kind of sit and reflect and think about how you contribute maybe to inherent racism in our society and how, what you can do to, to change that. I think, yeah, listening more in these moments is very important. And I am glad that you brought that up, Jace. Well, and I, and I think it, it kind of segues into the next one here, which is receiving criticism can be especially hard If you're being criticized for something and your motivation for doing it was approval. Yeah. 
that and I think that shows up in situations like this of trying to be a good, you know, whether it's right now and it's about Black Lives Matter or if it's about Pride Month and, you know, I'm trying to be an ally to my queer friends or whatever it is, it's it is super important to to do it, take a risk, but then also to be open to receiving criticism and willing to internalize that and understand it and and change again, considering the sources it's coming from. So in looking into that phenomenon, I came across Judith Katz. Um, and Judith Katz wrote this book called White Awareness Handbook for Anti-Racism Training in 1978, right? So this is kind of one of, she's a fairly influential person in that world, specifically of like corporate trainings and things like that. And and I don't want to get into discussions of of her or her techniques and things like that for this topic. But something I thought was relevant to this discussion is that she was very critical of that feeling of like guilt and then a need to perform that you're doing something rather than actually making a real change. And what she found is that because of that, she actually switched her anti-racism trainings from being mixed race groups to being only white people in the groups and also mm. avoided using people of color to re-educate whites because she found that it led when the the instructor or the person teaching was a person of color it led to the white people being more focused on getting like forgiveness or acceptance from that person rather than figuring out how to make real change i thought that was interesting and it definitely made me think of criticism and kind of how we receive it and kind of identifying like even if it's scary to admit it what might be my motivations and how might i be able to change my behavior once i realize that yeah i want to just say thank you again to ruby Bowie johnson the very first time that we had her on our show i asked her how can we be better allies to the african-american community and she was like that is not my problem like that is not a thing that I need to get to answer for you and I appreciate her for telling me that because that was the first time in that moment that I heard that ever back in like 2015 and so thank you again for that yeah and it's a lot to learn on this show it's funny because that reminds me of another person this guy named Jackson Katz which is weird that this Judith Katz and Jackson Katz both came up in this episode I don't think they're related to each other uh, but he do, he has a really uh, TED talk that I, I found very inspiring, but where he talks about domestic violence and sexual abuse are often referred to as women's issues, but they're not. They're men's issues because men are the ones doing this. So like, hey, men, let's figure out this problem with us. Let's not call this a women's issue. And I think yeah. there's a similar sort of like, let's find some ownership and try to make real change as opposed to just performing that I'm not like them or I'm different or I'm an ally. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on to talking a little bit about how to receive criticism better. Uh, and the first one is a way in which I am not very good at it uh, <laughs> in my personal life, but something that I really want to get better at, and that is assume positive intent. Um, so just assume that when the criticism happens, they have a positive intent towards you. It doesn't mean that you like need to believe what they're saying completely or that you need to let them take advantage of you in some way if that's what is actually happening. But if your actions are based in assuming positive intent, then there's like no downside to hearing and sitting and like thinking about what they're telling you. So there's yeah. a lot of ways to to do that. And let's talk about some of those. Yeah. So if you decide to assume positive intent, there is a number of different possibilities. So it's possible that whoever criticized you did mean it to be helpful. Maybe they just did a bad job of communicating it and you decide to assume positive intent. And great. Like you got the benefits of getting the feedback that they intended and you didn't start a fight over it. If Dedeker were writing this story, it would end with them high-fiving each other at the end. Exactly. <laughs> High-five <laughs> and fan. Uh, so, yeah, maybe they were hurt and maybe they just lashed out and maybe they weren't even hurt by something that you did specifically, but they lashed out to you. And in this moment, 
if you sit there and listen and don't feel defensive and don't get defensive and angry at them, then they get to be be heard and validated by you even again if you don't agree with them in that moment. Yeah, I think something that I like to point out with assuming positive intent is like sometimes it's very clear that they didn't mean any positive intent and any reasonable person would realize that they don't. And yet, even in those situations, if you act as if you assume positive intent, you can kind of have this superpower. So in the example of they said something and they meant it to be hurtful, that was that was 100% their intention. One outcome of that is that if you respond to it as if they had positive intent and give a kind response that acknowledges their concern, sometimes that can immediately diffuse that hostile person, like my mm-hmm. mom waving at the people in the car. For some people, they go, oh, gosh, I realize I'm being an asshole, but this person gave me an out by responding nicely, so then I can respond nice, and now we're good. Now we're nice. <sighs> That's really good advice. <laughs> Well, we've seen it so many times. I mean, again, to kind of switch out of the personal realm and into the realm of ourselves doing the podcast that so many times we've gotten like very, very critical emails. And I know at least my practice when we get those emails to try to step away, you know, let all the feelings pass through and then come back, you know, again, look for where the truth is. And that often when we respond just straight up kindly, assuming positive intent, that often people respond back even more positively than we did, you know? And I mean, like the whole point of it is not to get that positive response, but sometimes it is surprising that someone will reach out and I think like, gosh, they sound so mad and so pissed off about (laughs) this thing. And I'm sure, I'm sure they're just permanently pissed off at us. And then just the fact that, you know, you're willing to listen and, and again, assume that they were reaching out to you for a positive reason often produces these really positive results. Yeah. Where the reaction will be wow, like, thank you so much for, for actually listening to me. I, it's like they don't even expect it because it's not what most people do. And it's, yeah. I think it is a superpower. And then, okay, so check this out. So now same scenario, right? Someone said something that was clearly intentionally mean and hurtful. And in this case, you respond kindly. Uh, you know, you assume positive intent and act as if they were trying to have a friendly debate or something like that. Uh-huh. Then if they are just a troll who all they wanted was a fight, They don't get what they want, which was to make you angry and upset you. So their only option then is to just slink away underneath their bridge and troll some other people. Or it's for them to like keep trying to engage. And then it's just so clearly like this person's the asshole and then this other person's not engaging with it. And so it like you end up winning either way. Right. So it's kind of this win win no matter what. So this is what I love about assuming positive intent. And it's hard to do, which is why that don't respond right away step is there. Because without that, I don't know if I could ever do this. Yes. Um, So second to assuming positive intent, another good hack for responding to criticism. I love this one. It's to respond as if you are your own personal assistant or... (laughs) executive assistant, if you will, if you want to feel more rich, maybe, um, who, <laughs> wow, who just isn't emotionally involved. Like someone's telling your secretary this feedback. And as a, as a secretary or as the executive assistant, you can just be like, you can thank the critic. Uh, you can at least act, quote unquote, professional in assuming positive <laughs> intent. And you don't necessarily need to explain yourself right in the moment, you know, that you can be like, okay, awesome. Thank you. I hear that. I'll pass along the message. <laughs> maybe myself. don't say exactly that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I hope well, but I like that. I like that level of putting a little bit of a buffer between mm. you and the criticism itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. And so finally, after all is said and done, you can decide what to do with this criticism. Mm-hmm. So if they were in fact an asshole, you can hopefully figure that out and know that and you don't need to apologize for them. You don't need to like try to i mean you can defend yourself but why bother it's like don't you don't even need to do that in the moment just be like cool okay bye um (laughs) (laughs) and maybe take what they say and see if there is anything value in it or valuable in it especially if it is someone that you care about and that is a friend or a lover or a family member an ally as we've been saying and see if anything that they say has value to it yeah, I remember in the early days, especially of multi-amory, 
we would post our episodes on Reddit. And oh yeah, do we not do that anymore? I, I think nah. we do sometimes, but not regularly. I think okay. sometimes other people will post them there. But okay. when we were just starting out and posting our stuff into the polyamory subreddit, we would get some real nasty feedback sometimes. Also, people liked it and it did help us, you know, get the show out there. But we would get some real mean, very critical, harsh feedback. Huh. And it, I remember at the time it was sort of we had to remember like, OK, this is Reddit. This is, you know, the, the sewer <laughs> pit of the Internet. Like we yeah. don't need to take it too seriously. But. At the same time, especially if we started noticing more than one person saying something similar, we did start to go, huh, you know, they're kind of right. Like, that does make sense. I could see why they would want us to get to the topic sooner was, was one of the ones I remember a few people at that time being kind of mean about. <laughs> of like, we rambled too much before we got to the topic. Uh, so anyway, just things like that, that it's even in that situation, like, I'm not going to say, oh, those people were nice, or I'm not going to say like, oh, oh, I'm so terrible. We screwed up so bad. But there is still value in being able to find like what what the truth was in that. What What is the there that, truth, yeah. that you do agree with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, y you know, you don't have to completely agree with everything that this person is saying, but I exactly if you can find the small nuggets of truth within whatever they're trying to convey to you, then maybe you can make a positive change or at least start to think about what your behavior is, how how you're being perceived by the world, things like that. And you know what? Maybe sometimes the person just needs to be heard. Maybe hmm. they just want you to listen to their feelings and the day that they're having or the fact that like you do this thing that really pisses them off and they tend to swallow it most of the time but you know what today that's not gonna fucking happen so <laughs> yeah yeah or this could i i find very often this one comes up when it is more about them than about you that maybe this isn't like they have an experience say of um people talking over them a lot in their life say and they snap at you when you do it once even if that's something you don't actually do very often but they've snapped at you that's an instance where there's truth in it like yes you you did do that and they felt the way they felt they felt hurt by it too like you can agree, but also I'm not going to agree that this is something I always do. If you don't really try to evaluate that for yourself. But at the same time, it's realizing that even if it's still more about them than about you doesn't mean that that means you don't have to care. It's like, oh, this might be more about them, but I can do something to help them. You yeah. know, I can I can say, yeah, you're, you're right. Like that. That really sucks. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll do better. And if that's not something you already do, that's an easy promise to fulfill. If that's not, all, you know, if you don't normally interrupt people, it's easy to say, yeah, thank you. Like, I will be more mindful of that. And that's easy because you already do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's recap what we learned today, shall we? So don't respond defensively when you receive criticism. That's our number one takeaway, as we discussed before the ad break. Uh, consider the source and the content. Yes. Uh, respond as if you were your own executive assistant. Thank your critic. Assume positive intent from them and don't feel the need to explain or justify in the moment. Yeah, I, f I wish we'd covered that more, actually, just that you don't need to justify why you did what you did. Just mm -hmm. just thanking them and, and taking the feedback can, is sometimes more helpful, both for you and for them. Yeah, uh, we, I, we, <laughs> we used to in my theater days, it was TTMFN, you know, take the motherfucking note, which is that like every yep. time you say that you've added another letter. No, no, it's always just been TTMFN. I always just thought it was TTFN It's just take the fucking note. Oh, uh, we always did. Uh, motherfucking. motherfucking. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, well, everyone. We've sworn a lot in this episode. <laughs> mostly me, but yeah. Anyway, just the even if, because I think the thing that I would see would happen sometimes with actors is that, you know, a director can just be like, oh, hey, in this scene, you messed up that blocking. Make sure that it's actually this kind of blocking. Mm -hmm. And even if the actor's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I did mess that up. They still would feel the need to be like, oh, yeah, I messed that up because like I thought that this was happening. Right. And then like, so and so moved over here. And so I thought and it's just like, no, no, no. We've been in rehearsal for four hours already. Yeah, Shut up. And TTMFN. Yeah. 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 
Totally. Yeah. And I think the same thing can happen here, like when you're called out on something, especially mm. that you really can't just be like, wow, thank you for calling that out. I'm going to make action to change instead of having to go onto this whole like six paragraphs of like, well, I thought that it was okay to say this because like, this is my impression. And then I read this thing and this person said, I'm just like, no, no one's asking you. No one asked for this. <laughs> no one asked for this. <laughs> right. It's sort of like, that's the work to do later. Like we were talking yes. about. It's like, that's the work to figure out, you know, how do you feel about this? What do you actually want to implement in your life? Which is step three here, right? So first step is, don't respond defensively. Step two, respond as if you were your assistant. Thank them. Assume positive intent. Don't justify. And then step three is evaluate what to do next on your own. And I think this one can sometimes be missing from advice on this topic, which is that like not only trying to find the real core of what they're saying, it's also deciding, do you agree with it? Like, what about it makes sense? What about it might you need to learn more about? And then this important last step of actually trying to implement the changes, right? That if you do agree with it, really trying to implement those changes. And like we talked about before, not just, this isn't as simple as just doing the thing they told you to do. But like, how do I really make the change that I agree with that's at the heart of what they said and mm. not just sort of show that Being I did the thing they ally. asked? Yeah, exactly. So I think that one shows up with allyship a lot, but also just in our own lives, too, with, you know, with your partner or something. If they're criticizing you and you think there is some validity to it, find some ways to really make that change in a lasting way rather than just <laughs> often in relationships. It's like the go overboard doing the opposite of it for a day or two and then you just revert back to how you were before because it was more yep. performative and not about actually finding a way to change the behaviors at the core of it all right so we hope that this was helpful for all of you about handling criticism it's a hard thing i feel like i'm constantly trying to learn and evaluate and get better at doing this myself and I think I've made some improvements. And that's actually something that we're going to talk about in our bonus is some of our own experiences with handling criticism. And I was trying to come, come up with sort of a scale of sort of the growth from handling criticism the least skillfully to the most skillfully and kind of how I might evaluate where I am on that track. Uh, but we'll talk about that in the bonus episode for patrons in the meantime, we would love to hear from all of you about this. I'm sure every single one of you has had experience giving and receiving criticism. It's part of living a life. We would love to hear from you and your thoughts about what makes it hard. What are some things that you learned from this that you want to start implementing in your life? Or maybe there's some other cool tips that you want to share with other listeners. The best place to share your thoughts is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 